Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. So thanks for joining us for another week of Take Two. Joining us this week is Chris Peterson, Democratic Governor, Gubernatorial. We're going to start this over. I cannot say it. All right. Take Two. Thanks for joining us for another week of Take Two. Joining us this week is Chris Peterson. He is the Democratic candidate for the gubernatorial race that's coming up. I always think the gubernatorial is such a funny word for governor, but somebody made it up, so it's the word we use. Thanks for being with us. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for taking the time to interview me, Heidi. It's a, it's a pleasure to uh, meet with you and your listeners. Absolutely. Before we get to the issues, uh, a lot of people may not know who you are, what you've been doing the last 20 years of your life leading up to this run for governor. So tell me a little bit about yourself, where you've been, what you're doing, and why you want to run for governor. Sure. Well, well, thank you. I, so first off, I'm a, a fifth generation Utah, and all my ancestors came over in handcarts and wagons. Uh, and I was born and raised here in the Salt Lake County and uh, went to school at the University of Utah. And, and I'm, now I'm a law professor at the University of Utah. I teach business law classes. Uh, but I also uh, worked as an official in the federal government on consumer protection issues. I, my, I was a, a part of a team of lawyers that tried to make sure that our financial products are safe and secure uh, after the Great Recession. Uh, worked on a team that returned over $12 billion in refunds to consumers who were mistreated by uh, uh, their financial institutions. Also worked for a time at the Department of Defense, helping to make sure that our service members uh, are treated fairly. I'm running for governor because I believe that we need to have some balance restored to our government. We need practical solutions that are in the public interest. And I, I, I believe that I, I have some uh, expertise and some uh, uh, talent to try to help get that kind of uh, government to the, to the people of Utah. Uh, when you talk about your experience, it goes to a tweet I saw you yesterday. You called on Governor Herbert uh, to stop the eviction moratorium and that's set to end actually today. Uh, you said that while the economy is reopening, this is not the time to end that. Why do you feel so strongly about that? Utah at this point probably has more people than any other state that are still paying their rent. The governor says uh, we're getting those stimulus checks into our bank account now. We've had a couple months off. It's time to get rolling again. Why do you disagree? Well, I, I, I believe that the economy is starting to recover. We're starting to reopen. But we still have an unemployment rate here in the state of Utah that is the is the highest unemployment rate that Utah has seen since the Great Depression. We are not all the way back yet, and there are a lot of families and consumers out there that are struggling. Now, I'm not saying that this should be a permanent thing. I'm just saying that we need a few more months to try to make sure that we're readjusting, get the, getting the economy back uh, up to speed before we start evicting people from their homes. You know, in the 2008 financial crisis, Utah had a spike in the number of homeless people, including especially homeless children. 
Now's not the time to start throwing mothers and children out on the street. We need to work together, uh, give these people a little bit more time to get caught up on their rent. And in addition, I've also called for the creation of an emergency uh, a task force to try to provide assistance, make sure that landlords are getting the help that they need in order to make sure that uh, they're not being for forced to bear the cost of this all alone. We need uh, federal, state, and local government to step up, provide resources and support to them as well. And I guess that's the big question, how to make it work for everyone, because it's a domino effect. When you have someone not paying your rent, you have a landlord, and everyone likes to think of the big, mean landlord that probably has millions in the bank and all this money rolling around like Donald, you know, Scrooge McDuck or whatever. But they have bills to pay, too, and there's always someone after them that they owe the money to. So how do you make sure that everyone can keep their bills paid, keep the buildings they own, and keep everyone in place? Well, first off, that's not what I think. You know, most uh, landlords are small businesses that are struggling to get by just like everyone else in this difficult time. They've got their own bills to pay. They need to, to make sure that they're able to do business. And bear in mind, nobody is, uh, neither the governor's original moratorium order or my proposal to extend it in a few additional months uh, says that people don't have to pay their rent. It's just we're not going to, we shouldn't be kicking people out of their homes at this particular time. We should be uh, allowing them a few more months to get current and, and developing repayment plans so that rent can get paid back with other obligations. Uh, uh, we need to take care of our landlords, but we also need to make sure that we're not exacerbating a dire financial situation and a public health crisis by having a spike of homeless, homelessness, including uh, homeless kids. So I'm just proposing a practical solution to try to make sure that we're working together uh, uh, in the pioneer spirit to get the best results that we can for everyone. You mentioned uh, that this has happened before, that you end up with families that are homeless. And right now, uh, our shelters are where they're seeing some of the highest rates of coronavirus, so probably not the best place to be sending them. Uh, just yesterday, the governor was moving the state largely, aside from Salt Lake City and West Valley, in uh, the largest part of the state up here, uh, to yellow, which means that we can start phasing back into a lot of maybe not normal activities, but maybe a lot more businesses opening and feeling a lot more normal than what we've seen over the last couple of months. Was this a smart move, or would you agree more with Jenny Wilton, who was saying, let's push pause and give it a couple more weeks to see if we're really ready to be yellow? Well, first, I appreciate the efforts of both uh, Governor Herbert and Mayor Wilson. Uh, I think they're both uh, public officials that are doing the best they can, trying hard, and we need to make sure that we've got civility and are working for practical solutions across party lines. Uh, I believe, though, uh, we need to respect local differences. Not every place in the state has the same level of risk. Folks out in more rural areas may be ready to open up a little bit sooner than areas of the state that are denser and more urban, where there is a higher rate of uh, infection. And so if I were governor, I'd be listening carefully both to scientists, public health officials, and leaders in the business community to try to come up with uh, a, a responses that are uh, uh, responsive to the conditions of, of uh, each local area, each county around the state. So that's the way I would approach it, and that's the way I believe that we should move forward. A lot of businesses are finally getting to move forward, and whether people decide that it's safe to go out and go to them will be, um, I guess, something that we see in the next couple of weeks. But we're seeing a lot of businesses, some of them smaller, some of them larger, that can probably weather the storm a little better, that it could be months before they open. You're looking at the Performing Arts Center, the Giant Echo Center. You're looking at the brand-new Health Center Theater in Sandy or uh, Tuacon in southern Utah, uh, the Vivint Smart Home Arena, Real. We could go on, but these are all places that – they live off of having large crowds. 
When you think about if you were governor right now, are there ideas you have that you could open up these businesses and get them rolling? Or are they really the ones that are going to have to wait and just hopefully tough it out? Well, my heart goes out to these business owners and to the employees and, and also to the people in our community that want to participate in these events. Uh, uh, but the challenge is that, uh, you know, there is a long history of governments and, and uh, uh, institutions that don't take pandemics seriously, causing thousands and thousands of people to die. The story of Philadelphia back during the Spanish flu and what happened when they continued on with their big public celebrations, leading to 15,000 or more deaths in Philadelphia in the immediate aftermath of that. I don't think that's where we're at right now, but this crisis is not yet over. We need to keep our eye on the ball, make sure we're doing everything we can to keep people safe, but also strike a reasonable balance in terms of our business and cultural activities. Uh, that's the hallmark of my campaign. We need practical solutions uh, that are not driven by ideology or special interests, but are focused on the overall welfare and benefit to ordinary Utahns. And I think our welfare, when we think about our health, it's not just our physical health, but your uh, fiscal health and everything else going on goes into it. Because when you don't have the money to pay the bills, you're stressed and you get physically ill. Uh, the economy is now the number one platform, I think, at this point for everyone who's running for governor. What are some of the ideas you have if you were to take office day one to get the economy going? Because whoever takes charge is going to have a big job at their feet. I couldn't agree more. You know, my whole career has been focused on fiscal conservatism, fiscal, fiscal responsibility, both in government and business and uh, in the individual family level, trying to make sure that ends meet, that budgets add up, that uh, the, uh, our systems are working in the public benefit. When people don't have enough money, it causes stress and it can cause disease and, and, and problems for their health because they're worried about losing their homes or foreclosure or, or not being able to cover their, their uh, expenses for health care. So you're absolutely right, Heidi. We need to make sure we've got uh, vibrant businesses, living wage jobs, affordable access to health care. What kind of steps would I take? Well, first and foremost, we need to stop seeing the virus and our economy in a binary uh, way. We need to recognize that in order to have a vibrant, healthy economy, we also have to have an effective, scientifically driven, scientifically driven response to the virus. That people aren't just staying home because the government has told them to do so. Uh, they're also staying home because they're afraid. They're afraid that they're going to get sick or they're going to get their friends or family or loved ones or their customers uh, or employees sick. Uh, we need to make sure that we've got a testing, tracing, and treatment regime in place so we can move with confidence back into our economy. That's the quickest pathway to getting our economy back up and restarted and energizing us uh, so our businesses can thrive. Uh, one thing that I think everyone's looking at right now of getting businesses rolling is the possibility of going back to school in the fall. And really, when we say going back to school in the fall, it's in August. It's not really the fall. And it'll be here before we know it. Um, are you feeling confident at this point that you can send your kids back to school in the fall or in August? Or do we really have to wait and see approach on this? Heidi, I know it's coming soon, but it's too soon to decide uh, today here in May. 
Uh, we have to see what happens as we start to loosen up the economy, as people come out of their homes and uh, are going back to work and going back to business and cultural events. We need to take keep our eye on the ball and see whether or not our infection rates can uh, start to spike again. Uh, we also need to bear in mind that many pandemics over time have multiple waves. It could be that this was the first peak in a cycle. It could be we plateaued. Uh, we need to pay attention to what the public health experts are saying. Because if, 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 if the infection rates spike again and we're forced to shut down the economy or people just simply stay home and stop participating, irrespective of what the government says, then it'll be a worse hit to the overall economy than if we stay the course and follow the advice of, of public health experts. So it's too soon to decide whether or not we should open up the schools. Uh, it, that's going to be hard for teachers, for students, for administrators. We're going to have to have a contingency plan that goes in two different directions. If the virus is under control and things are looking good, then we go forward, business as usual, and everybody uh, goes back to school and continues to study. Uh, on the other hand, if we see a, a spiking infection rates, we may need to hit pause uh, and try to uh, steer a safer course to try to keep our family and loved ones safe. As we look at this, I think we're all adapting and learning to um, have our kids go to school online. Are there lessons that maybe we'll learn with this that could adapt when we send our kids back to school or budget-wise? Because Utah has a budget problem when it comes to providing for education. We want the money there, but not everyone wants to spend it. Well, there, there are definitely lessons to learn. You know, my uh, oldest son, he just had his AP test online today for his U.S. history class. I'm so proud of him and his teachers and all the other students that are showing real grit and continuing to move forward with their educations, uh, even in a time of crisis. I do believe that Utah for far too long has not invested sufficient resources into our public education system. For over 20 years, we have been dead last in per pupil spending, even though our economy has been relatively diversified and vibrant. We can do better as a state, and that may include some additional online instruction, online education, but we've got to invest the resources that our students need. And would this be something that's important to you if you were governor, that you would make some changes, make sure the budget was there? Absolutely. It would be one of my top priorities. You know, and it's not just me. Ordinary Utahns all across the state have consistently uh, uh, in public polls indicated that they want more support for our public education system. Why? Because ordinary Utahns understand that our most precious resource not is not infrastructure. It's not uh, natural resources. It's not even our, uh, our, our national parks or ski resorts. It's our kids. It's the children of Utah that will set the stage for the future, whether or not we have an educated population, uh, both in terms of high technology, cultural leaders, and uh, ordinary trades. All of those different pathways are the key to our future. We've got to invest the resources in our kids to create the possibility of us succeeding in, 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 the, way, in the way that we all want. For people who are listening today and this is the first time they've heard from you and maybe they want to hear more, it's going to be a strange campaigning season coming up where maybe you can't be in person. Where can people learn more about you, have a conversation, and ask you questions? Well, thanks, Heidi. I appreciate you giving us a chance. You know, it's been a long time since we've had a Democratic governor in the state of Utah, but maybe it's time. You know, it, one of the things that in our system of government we need is balance. Uh, and it can be helpful to have a reasonable, progressive, moderate that helps try to keep things straight and uh, straight and towards the middle. Uh, I, I think that electing a Democratic governor in this uh, cycle wouldn't just be good for the Democratic Party, for ordinary Utahns, but also, for, frankly, for the Republican Party. They need a little bit of check and balance to try to keep them 
them on the straight and narrow. Please come and visit my website at petersonforutah.com and you learn more about my campaign, uh, as well as my fantastic lieutenant governor running mate, Karina Brown from Cache County up near Logan. Perfect. And before I let you go, I've been asking everyone who's running for uh, governor right now how this whole quarantine's been going for you. How many kids do you have? You're all at home. You and your wife are working from home, or how's it working at your house? Well, we're, we're hanging in there. I think we're bouncing off the walls a little bit. Uh, we've been still making sure we take some time to get out and get some recreation and some exercise. Uh, but my wife and I are both working from home, and my three kids, uh, uh, 16, 13, and 10, are all doing public school uh, online. And so it's been a bit of a juggling uh, experience. But, you know, it, it's also bringing us all together, and it's teaching uh, my kids about uh, how to overcome adversity and how to come together as a family. And you know, that's what Utah needs to do in a broader perspective as well. We all need to work together, uh, stay calm, maintain our civility, uh, maintain our sense of decency, and, and focus on the future. Civility, that might be the hard part when I look on social media right now. A lot of this quarantine-ness is turning into political um, upheaval, but hopefully we can all be kind and get through this together. So thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, good luck on the quarantine at your house and making sure there's enough Wi-Fi to go around. Yeah, well, thank you, Heidi. I appreciate the interview. You stay safe, and thank you for your journalism. All right. Thank you for being with us, and thanks for joining us for another week of Take Two. And one of these weeks, we'll be back to our normal format where we're arguing issues back and forth. Thanks so much for joining us. Take care. Okay, I think we're good. So um, this will be posted on KUTV.com tonight, the full interview. And it'll, it usually takes a few hours to propagate onto all the platforms where podcasts are, but it'll end up there and I can send you the link. So um, it'll be there. And I think that there will be a portion of this interview on five o'clock news tonight. Okay. All, all right. right. Thanks so much. Say hello hey, to your I, wife I, for me too. I really appreciate you covering the campaign. Uh, it, I, it, it means a lot. Thanks. Absolutely. And we'll keep at it. We've got lots of months to go. All right. All right. We'll thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.